Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Sports Scene, ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM WRUF. I'm Steve Russell. Time to eat some lunch and talk some sports. Zach is our producer today. Uh, we are here until 1 o'clock today. Again, just a reminder, uh, no shows tomorrow uh, or Thursday. Back at our normal time, normal length duration on Friday. Uh, we will have our prognostication Friday show uh, then. But in the meantime, today, we'll talk sports with you. 392-8255. You can email srussell at wruf.com. Um, I'm going to get to a couple of emails here first. Uh, Jonesy says, who do you think has the higher ceiling, Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson? Uh, do I have to choose? I don't think either. He says, to me, Jones doesn't look any better than Wilson. However, you're in a better position because you haven't given Zach that large of a contract. It may take years for my team to recover from this bad decision unless we hit on somebody like the 49ers hit on Purdy. He says Daniel Jones is a bust. Well, part of it, now remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the Giants a playoff team last year? I think I'm right in that. So it isn't that he's a bust, um, but sometimes it's also about the people who are around you. That's also part of it. Um, all right, let's get uh, Mark. I want to touch on real fast the past discussions regarding Napier's sideline demeanor and how can it affect the team's in-game performance, especially when on the road without the assistance of the Swamp to pump up the team. He says, there seems to be two camps. One seems to want his nature throughout the game to be quick-tempered or passionate via his body language or words. The other seems to be perfectly comfortable with the opposite. He is somewhere in the middle. In supporting their point of view, each camp will point to various coaches who have tremendous success exhibiting both types of behaviors, and that's true. While you can't force a coach to be somebody they're not, there's a time and place where maybe changing your behavior and leaving your comfort zone will assist in changing the complexion of the game, which leads me to Saturday. Take Casey even said on the air during the first quarter, the team looked very flat on both sides of the ball. Yet Napier's demeanor looked the same as always based on what he saw on TV. I would think the ESPN, with their thousands of cameras, would have shown us differently if there was a change. Now, I can't read all of this because it's like war and peace, so I can't read this all, Mark. Um, but basically, he says, maybe in the privacy of the locker room, he gets on his players if they're underperforming. Look, I, I don't know. If Billy Napier were winning, nobody would give a tinker's damn about his philosophy on the sideline. Let, let's just start with that, and let's just end it with that. That's the truth. Well, all of a sudden now, sidelined, did Bear Bryant ever yell on the sideline? I, I never saw him do that. His teams were pretty good, right? So this is what this is all about. It, it's not about it, – it, it's about winning. And I promise you, if Billy Napier is winning, this discussion, Mark, never comes up ever but all right patrick says uh biggest surprise of this team biggest disappointment i don't need are you saying football patrick what team are you talking about 
Um, if you are talking football, um, biggest surprise? Hmm. I don't know. Biggest surprise. I, I don't know that anything's really surprised me. Because um, I didn't think lines of scrimmage were still going to be very good. It's better, but not great. Um, maybe maybe the play of some of the, the uh, young receivers has been a bright spot. Um, and then uh, biggest disappointment? Hmm. Uh, I guess the up and down play would be the, would be the biggest disappointment. Now look, you, no team, whether it's in the NFL, college football, middle school football is going to come out the same all the time. You're not. But I would say that is. We're going to talk a little NFL with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus next, 12:13. Time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry ESPN, 981 FM, 850 AM WRUF. Gainesville Sports Center. Here's what's trending. Now on ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Good morning. It's Andrea Castiblanco. Today in the MLB, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Texas Rangers will open the 2023 playoffs with Game 1 of the AL Wildcard Series. This will be the Rays' fifth straight year in the postseason while the Rangers haven't made it since 2016. The Rays, being the higher seed of the two teams, will host the series at Tropicana Field. Live coverage of tonight's game will start right here at 2.30. Tonight, in high school volleyball, Eastside faces Bronson, Newberry takes on O'Call, and Columbia battles Lafayette. The Gator men's and women's tennis teams continue their run at their respective ITA All-American Championships. The men's team arrived at Tulsa, Oklahoma, while the women's team landed in Cary, North Carolina on Saturday to begin the tournaments. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Andrea Casiblanco. ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF. Dave Ray's Automotive, we get the bugs out of your car. College football season is here, and there's lots of great plays being made. Hey, it's Steve Russell. Let me tell you about one of my favorite plays when it comes to my automobile. I take it to Dave Mays Automotive. Why? Because I trust the team to treat me and my vehicle with respect, integrity, and honesty. If you're tired of being treated like a number at the chain stores, make a great play and head to Dave Mays Automotive, located at 2905 Northeast 19th Drive in the industrial complex behind the Sunnies on Waldo Road. Brakes, AC, oil changes, tires, engine and transmission work, and of course, their famous bug check. Modern to import, diesel trucks and fleet service, they do it all. Learn more at DaveMaysAutomotive.com. Dave Mays Automotive, we get the bugs, all of them bugs, out of your car. Hi, this is Dr. Art Mowry of Exceptional Dentistry. Listen to what our clients have to say about their experience at Exceptional Dentistry. They gave me a new mouth. <laughs> I'm stunned at how much more confidence that I have now because I have a real mouth that, um, that I don't have to cover. My dentist for the past 30 years, I feel like he got to a place where I wasn't sure what to do with me here. The biggest deal was they gave me an overall plan. This is where we're headed. This is what we're going to do and then work through that plan. It is a place where you can come, enjoy your time here, have pretty dramatic work done, pain-free, and then be very pleased with the results. And you leave with friends. 
This is Dr. Kim Mowry, and if you think you have dental problems that are too big to overcome, we're here for you. Please visit us at ExceptionalDentistry.com. That's ExceptionalDentistry.com. Total Control. We'd all love that, wouldn't we? You can have total control of your home environment with help from Electronics World. Let the pros at EW install a system to control your audio, video, lights, locks, thermostats, custom shades, garage door, and more. Plus, monitor your surveillance cameras with just one app. Now that's total control. Electronics World. Visit our showroom in Gainesville or online at electronicsworld.net. Follow ESPN Gainesville on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay up to date with the latest information, interviews, stories, contests, and events. We are 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, the home of the Florida Gears. This is Coach Steve Spurry, and you're listening to Sports Scene with Steve Russell right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, and anywhere in the world on the WRUF radio app. Thank you, Coach. Next up, going to talk to Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, talk a little National Football League here. Uh, Brad, welcome. Um, I don't know if anything in the NFL last week really surprised me, except two things. Uh, the Bengals scoring three points against the Titans, you know, you, you kind of thought, okay, Burrow's not 100%. But there, something's going on in Cincinnati. What? What is it? Yeah, you know, I think it does stem back to his health is, is the biggest component of it. He is such a good thrower on scrambles. Uh, we track true scrambles here, which includes when a guy evades the pocket scramble but still throws the football. Uh, in the last couple of years, he was the most efficient passer in the NFL on such plays. So you take that element out of the offense, and uh, you know, because he still is clearly hobbled, whenever he gets pressure, kind of just throws the ball in the dirt and lives to see another, another down. Um, the offense is also just stagnant, though. I mean, they're in shotgun on every single snap. They're in 11 personnel on pretty much every single snap. They have no viable tight end on the roster. Um, so you're just relying on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to hit some of these deep shots, and, and it's just not there because Burrow doesn't have time and, and probably doesn't have comfort uh, you know, throwing downfield a ton. Now no T. Higgins probably for a week, maybe two. Um, I, I'm not sure there's an answer you know, in sight. Uh, if you look at some of the other results uh, from the past week, did anything well, – first of all, let me ask about Dallas. I think Dallas is very impressive, but who have they beaten? So is that a fair uh, part of the equation to throw into the start Dallas has had? I mean, the Arizona game was a mess. It was ugly. Uh, they had a ball run down their throat. Uh, I mean, 230 rushing yards, and that has been an issue for their defense dating back to last year. It's why they drafted you know, kind of a run-stuffing defensive tackle in the first round in Mozzie Smith. Um, and he really has not been a factor at all this year. So that's a legit concern. The passing game, though, kind of came to life uh, this past week. Dak Prescott, I thought, had his best game. And you definitely can play the strength of schedule game, no question about it. But, um, you know, it's three blowouts, right? It's not like they, you know, they've won three close one-score games and lost to Arizona. They've absolutely demolished three teams. As bad as New England's offense is, too, their defense has been good all year, has limited, you know, the explosive Miami Dolphins, Dolphins offense did not do much against them, um, and Dallas goes in there and beats the brakes off them. So, still a big fan, want to see more continued growth for that offense. Um, you know, but, but, yeah, the schedule has not been tough, to say the least. Um, is there a team that, in your view, is overachieving 
in a team that's underachieving? Yeah, I play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, when I go for overachieving. Uh, they obviously are three and one, an impressive, you know, dominant performance against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints had allowed 20 or fewer points in 11 straight games coming into that game, uh, and the Buccaneers hang 26 on them in a big NFC South matchup. And look, that uh, Baker Mayfield was, you know, had like it was like 27 or 32. Did have the interception, but was very, very good for most of the afternoon. But they're scheming up a ton of these plays. So they were dead last in play action rate last, this last year. They're first this year. Um, they're way up there in a bunch of different, you know, kind of kind of hit the easy button type things. But they're 25th in success rate. So they've had a lot of explosive plays, but haven't actually been efficient on a down-to-down basis. And now you lose Mike Evans for a little bit of time, who's generated a lot of those explosive plays. Their, play, their record is better than they are as a football team. The Texans and the Steelers. I, I am a big Stroud fan. I, I, think, I think the Texans are going to really, really love the fact they drafted him. And look, I don't know if you can call somebody a bust at this point, if it's Wilson for the Jets, but, you know, Pickett, again, out hurt. They score six points. I don't see Pittsburgh's offense. Do you? No. Uh, it, it is as bad as it could possibly be. This was supposed to be a get-right spot. Houston missing both starting safeties, their number one outside corner and Derek Stingley. Their interior defenders for us are some of the lowest-graded players at that position in the NFL. Who Their only highly-graded player uh, on defense is rookie Will Anderson at edge, um, and, and in terms of the front seven in particular. Um, and, and Kenny Pickett was under siege for much of the afternoon. Uh, they reshuffled the offensive line in Pittsburgh. Um, and Nick Herbig, the guard, had six pressures allowed. Their rookie first-run tackle, Broderick Jones, had three pressures allowed. Like, there's no answers up front. But also, Kenny Pickett now is bailing from clean pockets. You know, if you want to blame that because he sees so much pressure, he now kind of, you know, feels footsteps and, and is, you know, th- that type of issue is not just him, but whatever it is. He's bailing from clean pockets. He's not seeing things well. And then the play calling on offense is as bad as it gets in the NFL. So, no, this was the most shocking result to me. What Houston is doing, down four starting offensive linemen in this game, actually started four third stringers on the unit. And T.J. Stroud took zero sacks, averaged over 10 yards per attempt uh, against the Steelers' defense. Yeah, no, this Steelers' offense is, is a problem for this team. Uh, Anthony Richardson the other day didn't throw. I think he had two touchdowns and no picks, but not a high completion percentage rate. That is that what we might see from him as he begins to develop? Yeah, I think that's going to be the early career Anthony Richardson experience. And, and if you're still averaging eight yards per attempt and you're still hitting up a couple deep shots, the ball to Alec Pierce on the right team was an incredible throw uh, with pressure in Richardson's face. He had a couple other, you know, he's just so comfortable getting zip on the ball off platform or, or he has a quick motion for how you know you know strong he is and big he is there's no wind up it's, it's an efficient motion and i think that has been tweaked over the last you know 18 months or whatever dating back to florida yeah no there's going to be some inaccuracies there's going to be some missed throws uh, but if he connects on enough of those they're, they're going to be a fun offense and they're going to win some games uh i had an email here from paul who wanted to ask you a question brad he said uh how does pro, does pro football focus grade all players and specifically quarterbacks? He said, what uh, system is used to do that? It's a good question. Yep, I grade every single player on every single play. Obviously, wow. quarterbacks, a, a, a heightened degree of scrutiny to the whole quarterback division of the grading team uh, that is, you know, has consultants that have been current or former NFL quarterbacks have stopped through and helped look at tape and review the system with us. 
uh, you know, former coaches at the college level, at the NFL level. You know, it, it's a very, you know, for the quarterbacks in particular, it's an extremely, extremely fine-tuned process. So the, the underlying fundamentals of the grades are no different than how NFL teams do it, where on each snap you assign, you know, in the NFL they generally do minus one, zero, or plus one. We do increments of a half point from minus two all the way to plus two. Um, it's rare you get a minus two or a plus two. on. A, it's got to be an incredible play or, you know, the butt fumble from Mark Sanchez may have been a minus, minus two. But, <laughs> but, you know, but – but along those increments, essentially, you earn a grade for every single snap. You know, most of them zeros. You just kind of do your job. And then those underlying numbers are converted into the zero to 100, um, you know, based on how many ones and one and a half you had and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, we're looking at we're charting accuracy. We're charting, you know, throwing to open receivers or, or, or receivers that are covered. Is the ball accurate in terms of helping the wide receiver have yards after the catch? Like, does it lead them upfield? All of those things. Every single element is under intense scrutiny. Final question. Um, it's, I, maybe they're doing this in New England, but, you know, in this what-have-you-done-for-me world we live in now, New England Patriots of Bill Belichick are 1-3, and three, and they were smoked this past week. Their offense looks ridiculously bad. Uh, is this Patriots team as bad as it looked the other day? Yeah, worst loss of the Bill Belichick era. Yeah. It was really, really bad. I will say, you know, we talked about the Cowboys schedule. Uh, New England has now played, you know, Philadelphia lost by a score. Miami lost by a score. The Jets, you know, good defense. It was an ugly, sloppy, bad weather game, but are able to pull out a win there. And, you know, look, we've seen the Jets now beat the Bills, you know, hang with the Chiefs. It's not a bad win. And then obviously an ugly performance against Dallas. I mean, Matt Jones was as bad as I've ever seen him play in that game. I actually thought he'd been okay the first couple of weeks. But throwing late across the field, he doesn't have the arm strength to do that. And frankly, even you know the Josh Allens of the world should not be making those throws. That's generally when we make fun of him for you know bad turnovers and whatnot. And Mac Jones is certainly not capable of even attempting those throws. So it's, it's problematic. Their offensive line is not good. Their weaponry might be the worst in the NFL. And then Mac Jones is, is you know, at best, I think, a top-20 quarterback. He's just not a special talent athletically um, and has not been good enough. So, yeah, the defense now, too, you have a bunch of injuries to very important players. Uh, they're a bad football team. It's going to be a struggle for them in that division with a lot of good games left. I mean, look, I think Bill Belichick, like I said, coming into this game, their defense was still elite. That is his side of the football. I did think he saw signs of Bill O'Brien's offense you know, leading to positive growth. Uh, but I think this team is getting a new quarterback in, in the upcoming draft, uh, and they might be picking quite high uh, when they do so. Okay. Uh, as always, where can people see your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, and i got articles coming out uh, every week on PFF.com. If you're a Bears fan, just put out a, uh, a 3,000-word think piece on, on how to fix the Chicago Bears this morning. Oh, they may take more than that. But, okay, uh, Brad, I appreciate <laughs> your time, man. Thanks for, the, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thank you. All right, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. Okay, again, a reminder, uh, sports scene just till 1 o'clock today. We've got Rays baseball in the playoffs uh, for you today, too. Make sure you stay tuned for that. 1227, time check brought to you by Hayes Chilowee, ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. If it's happening with the Gator Nation, hear it here first. ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. 
If you're celebrating a milestone anniversary this year or just starting the process of picking out that engagement ring, welcome to International Diamond Center. At IDC, we're one of a few jewelers around the world with direct access to exquisite diamonds from Namibia. These are the highest quality, most brilliant diamonds on the planet. And with IDC's connections with the cutters, you can be assured of the ultimate in value with no middleman markups. And just as important as the brilliance of our diamond is the source itself. An IDC diamond comes only from specific mines that follow strict international laws and environmental standards. Not only do we guarantee conflict-free diamonds, we are proud that when you purchase an IDC diamond, you are helping provide dignified employment, much-needed education, and necessary health care to African families. So come and shop with confidence at IDC. Confidence in the quality, the value, and the integrity of our diamonds. International Diamond Center. Transparency, honesty, responsibility. Learn more at shopidc.com or visit our showroom today at Celebration Point. Hey, Bill, is that a new car? Nah, it's my same ride. I just got the dings taken out and repainted. I got it done at Mako and Gainesville. Wow, looks sharp. I thought it was a new car. Honestly, I was shocked at how good it looks. I'd recommend Mako of Gainesville to anyone. Give your car a brand new look. Take it to Mako in Gainesville. Excellent service and a fast turnaround on quality warrantied work with 0% financing available. Visit MAACOGainesville.com or call 352-371-4251. Mako of Gainesville on Main Street. At the Wood Stove and Fireplace Center, there's always excitement around football, family, and the first hint of the fall season. Family-owned and operated since 1975, the Wood Stove is the area's premier dealer of wood, gas, and electric stoves and fireplaces. Visit our showroom today to see our large selection of contemporary and traditional styles. Give your fireplace a facelift with our custom glass doors, screens, tool sets, and more. The Wood Stove and Fireplace Center, downtown Gainesville. Or visit woodstoveflorida.com. Nothing's better than taking to Florida's waterways with family and friends. But some boat operators don't realize that bow riding is extremely dangerous. It can lead to tragic accidents if someone falls overboard because of speed or direction changes. Be sure your passengers sit only in manufacturer-designated areas while underway. Their safety is your responsibility. Safe boating is no accident. To learn more, visit the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission at myfwc.com. After a storm, unlicensed contractors prey on homeowners. Always hire a contractor with a state-issued license. Verify if your contractor is state licensed at MyFloridaLicense.com. From the UF Weather Center, here is your WRUF weather update. Partly to mostly cloudy skies for the rest of your Tuesday with highs in the 80s and not much else. Tonight, it'll be quiet and comfortable in the 60s. Then no big changes coming on Wednesday and Thursday. Now a stray shower is possible, but we'll mostly have dry skies and highs in the middle 80s. Then rain chances increase a little more on Friday. From the UF Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Jeff George. It's a bird. It's a plane. The, the, the Dan Patrick Show. Dan Patrick. Yeah. Also, I don't know what the prop bet would have been if I would have said you can bet on Zach Wilson having a better QBR than Patrick Mahomes wow. in that game. You know, when his career is over, when they say, well, what's your highlight? Well, it was a Monday night. Taylor Swift came to see me play. She did, and I outperformed Patrick Mahomes. The Dan Patrick Show. Dan and the Danettes, and you. Weekday mornings at 9, right here on WRUF. Coming up at 4, it's the Tailgate with Jeff Cardozo and Pat Dooley. 
right here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, and on your phone with the WRUF radio app. Sports Scene with Steve Russell continues here on ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF, and on your phone with the WRUF radio app. Okay, uh, Daryl says it's a Gator fan. All I can do is show up in the swamp Saturday and hope we win. Uh, BB says, what's your assessment of our Gator football program? What has to occur? Time for the lime in the coconut, perhaps. And he says he believes that with the NIL and transfer, except for a few elite and well-funded programs, parity for all other teams in college football occurs, and winning will come down to coaching and preparation, along with a little luck and talent assessment and acquisition. What's the assessment of the Gator football program? It's about where I thought it would be, to be brutally honest. Now, did I think Florida would beat Tennessee? I thought the probability of Florida beating Tennessee was less than what happened in Kentucky. So there's been some games where the outcome was a bit different. But I'm going to go back to when Napier was first hired. What did people say? Oh, the cupboard is bare. Mullen didn't recruit. It takes time. He's been there a year and whatever. So you either believe that and it takes time or you don't. It, it's really that simple. Uh, Ken is here. Hi, Ken. How are you? Thank you. Ken, go ahead. Um, you were talking uh, earlier about sideline behavior, uh-huh. coaches. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. Nobody would give a tinker's damn about the sideline behavior if the Gators were winning. Um, but uh, uh, And you mentioned the Bear, and uh, we, you were talking about did he ever yell at any of his players. Um, a number of years ago, I read a book called Above the Noise of the Crowd, and it talked about, and there was a story in the book, and I'm sorry I don't remember who wrote it, but there was a book, but there was a story in the book about um, Bear telling a young quarterback um, the game was almost over, and Bear said, "Look, I want you to take the snap and drop to your knees." And the guy took the snap from center, saw a wide open receiver, and threw it to him, and he scored a touchdown. And the quarterback walked to the sidelines, and Bear hugged him up real close, and everybody thought he was giving him a, a, a congratulatory hug, and it turned out that Bear. Uh, whispered into his ear, you will never take another snap at Alabama as long as you live. But later on, Bear changed his mind and, and let him play. I don't remember the young man's name, but um, I'm, I'm wondering, which leads to a question, is Billy Napier, could it, is it possible that Billy Napier's facial expression uh, and his voice could be two different things? What he, what he looks like he's saying and what he's saying could be two different things. What do you think about that? I mean, I guess that's possible, but that's you know that's a one and a that's a one off you are who you are and and i don't know scott strickland would be the only one to answer this you know did he study his sideline demeanor did he before hiring him did he look at you know his mannerisms on the sidelines i don't know i mean winning and losing kind of counts for me but i'm not saying that's something you don't look at but i'm going to say this again it wouldn't matter if he were winning. He could stand oh, there and smoke a pipe. If they were winning, it wouldn't matter. Appreciate your call, yeah. Ken. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. Steven says, if Florida loses to Vanderbilt, can it be said Coach Napier is on the hot seat? Yes. Yes. Because that seat's going to get warm if they lose. So, yes. Uh, Jeff says, 
Uh, oh, boy. Uh, folks, I'm going to ask you something. When you send me an email, uh, please don't make it really long because I can't uh, go into this for a long time. He said, after watching Gator Film Breakdown, I learned that Kentucky ran the basic same counterplay for Davis that LSU ran a few years ago with much success, and that pre-snap we had the right defensive setup. After the snap, our DBs missed tackles, our linebackers were in bad position, and Davis took advantage of the miscues. Uh, then he says there was an obvious holding call. Stop it. I, I'm tired of that, too. Because every time there's a great run for the other team, the other team does something wrong. Okay? You're going to miss some of those. So you're telling me when, all the, when, when Florida makes a great play that nobody holds on Florida. Right? Uh, then he says a, a questionable holding call on the wide receiver. Uh, my point is, he says, coaches put the players in position to make plays. These two critical early plays, lack of a call against Kentucky, then the holding call, the getting our first down were not results of bad play calling. Okay, that's fair. But also, I do think that the penalty thing, Jeff, does seem to even out. Sometimes it doesn't, game to game. Uh, Todd says uh, a lot of questions about uh, Napier's sideline demeanor. He says that's irrelevant to him. Uh, in his press briefings, I'll listen to Billy say to win, we have to play winning football, but most of his answers allude to players' mistakes and inconsistency. Sure, they take much of the blame. Also heard about needing better coaching. I heard close to nothing about putting players in position to win schematically or emotionally. All this said, we're hearing the same thing week after week. What I'd like to hear is his best Tebow promise moment and go execute his vision, whatever it may be. Let me ask you a question. If he did... Todd, his uh, Tebow promise. The only reason the Tebow promise is is in Gator lore is because it was successful. If that promise wasn't successful, it, it might be made fun of. That, that, you don't do that. You, you just, I don't understand what some fans expect. You hire a coach to put a winning product on the field, hopefully, and it doesn't always work. When you hire somebody in business, okay, you hope that person, but sometimes for whatever the reason, it doesn't work out. So all this stuff about he's being scrutinized to the nth degree. Let the dude coach. Give him the time that the fan base said he needed to get this program right. And then if that doesn't happen, okay, go to work on him. I mean, I, I can't put it any – I'm not saying don't be critical. I'm not saying don't question, you know, some of the things he's done. I, I think that's certainly, you know, there to do. Uh, Lee said, I thought Napier's postgame comment was really telling. We didn't have all 11 guys doing what they needed to be doing perfectly. Um, it seems the offense is predicated on almost absolute need for perfection. You know this having coached. The reason high schools run the spread – because you're never going to have 11 five-stars being perfect and spreading it out gives you ways to make up for mistakes. I think Billy's put too much stock in making sure he has five-stars doing everything correctly all the time, and he's bogged down in process instead of what works to win games right now. Uh, and he said, Shane said it best yesterday, line up four wide. Well, that's not process, Lee. That's philo philosophical change. That's saying spread it out, throw the ball. That, that's not process. That, that, that's saying do something different. Uh, let's get James to the show quickly. James, hello. Well, they call their own offensive plays. 
but what's the advantage of that? I, I was cut off your first part of here, so just repeat that for me, please. I, I said that, you know, I know that there's coaches in college and in the NFL that call their own head coaches that call their own offensive plays, uh-huh. but what is the advantage of that? What is uh, the advantage of not having an offensive coordinator call the plays that you can actually overrule as uh, a head coach? I, now, again, I've only done it at the high school level and below. Uh, I was a play caller. Uh, and for me, I wanted to do that because I felt the offense that I put in was the one I knew the best, and that, that for me, was what I felt was best for my team. doesn't mean I didn't have people helping me because some guy named Shane Matthews, was his son was my quarterback, and you don't think I leaned on Shane? I sure did. He knows way more football than I ever forgot, but... I think it's just a matter of philosophy, right? I mean, in other words, if you're a if you're a catcher in baseball, do you call your own signals, or does somebody signal them in from the dugout? Well, what's well, more successful? And I get that. And, and the comment that that Coach Napier said yesterday that you know he's more critical of himself than anybody else would be. And, but how how do we know that? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the point is if you have uh, an offensive-minded uh, play caller, an offensive coordinator, if you will, it almost gives you like a consultant, if you will, uh, that's going to help you manage the game. As a, as a head coach, you always have the, the ability to veto the call or to suggest a call or call the call. And the other thing is when if you have offensive production that's not going well, uh, you know, that's pretty much your scapegoat. That's the first person that's going to go. It's kind of like a barrier of protection for your job. You, so, you just mentioned a couple of the, interesting words to me. You said okay. an offensive-minded coach. What does that mean? Well, I, I, a, a offensive coordinator. Okay. I, I just I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the advantages of calling your own call your own plays even if you are an offensive minded coach I would think that you'd want someone that has just as much skill as you or more as your right hand consultant. You think Steve Spurrier was pretty good at it? That's a different time. <laughs> uh, what, what, no, it's not different. It's football. Why is it a different time? It, it applies. Time. Just is it, it applies now as it did then. All the I things disagree. you're asking could have been asked in 1990. Yeah. But here's the difference. Nobody questions it because he was successful. Okay. Right? Did anybody, did anybody uh, ever say, Coach Spurrier, why were you the offensive coordinator? No. No. I, but, and there's a reason yeah, why. You, you, you're going to take a generational Coach Spurrier as the example. Yes. I don't think we have that right now. I didn't so say my we did. Point is, it, okay, but my, so my point is if you are a coach that's trying to, uh, you know, come up from the Sun Belt into the big SEC, I just don't know why you wouldn't have that as part of your Because he as, has been an offensive coordinator. It's worked for him every place he's been. And he's, he has a year and how many games into the system. So there we go. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. 1243 Time Check brought to you by Hayes Chillery ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WYUF. Gainesville Sports Center, here's what's trending now on ESPN, 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Good afternoon. I'm Victoria Alves. Lots of MLB action going on today with the Tampa Bay Rays hosting the Texas Rangers for Game 1 of the AL Wildcard Series. 
Live coverage of the game will begin right here at 2.30. Right after, we have the Marlins, who will also kick off Game 1 of the Wild Card Series as they visit Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. Coverage of the game will begin at 7.30. In Gator soccer news, two players received an SEC Weekly Honor, including Megan Hinnenkamp, who was named SEC Freshman of the Week for the second time this season. In addition, senior Daviana Vaca received SEC Defensive Player of the Week. The Gators will host Mississippi State on Thursday night for their homecoming weekend match. That's your Gainesville Sports Center. I'm Victoria Alves. ESPN 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM WRUF. Hey, it's Steve Russell. You need to get over to Dick Mondell's Burgers and Fries just blocks from the stadium. If you haven't eaten one of their Florida-raised beef burgers, you're missing out. Try their juicy chicken burger with fresh hot fries and a hand-spun milkshake as well. Southwest 4th Avenue and 5th Street, Dick Mondell's Burgers and Fries. When severe weather hits Gainesville, WRUF's Hurricane Storm Center is there for you. With the latest information regarding severe tropical weather, listen live online or on the WRUF radio app. For a complete rundown of hurricane emergency services and pre-storm preparedness, check out the WRUF Storm Center at WRUF.com. A courtesy of Caribbean Electric, Conrad Tree Service, and Radiant Credit Union. In my job, I never held back. I played hurt, and I pushed through the pain. Sound familiar? Football legend Emmett Smith had a reputation for just grinding through the injuries and pain over and over. That may be you. And QC Kinetic sees patients every day who are exhausted from dealing with the persistent pain. A lot of you work physically demanding jobs. You stand, you climb, you bend down, you reach up. And if you have joint pain, it takes all you got to earn a living. But it's time you know about QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, the leaders in regenerative treatments, help relieve that debilitating joint pain without surgeries or downtime. These are natural solutions that use your body's own healing properties to give you lasting relief from the soreness and achiness. You got a job to do. I get it. But now you don't have to suffer through the pain. Check out my friends over at QC Kinetics. Call QC Kinetics, 352-400-4550. That's 352-400-4550. Now with offices in Gainesville, Ocala, and the Villages. 352-400-4550. The head ball coach scores again. Steve Spurrier's head beer coach, 1966 American Lager, is now available everywhere at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Smooth and refreshing with just enough of a crisp finish. Also available at most places you buy beer. If you don't see it, ask for it. A beer made by the Gators for the Gators. Make a great play and enjoy a cold one today. Steve Spurrier's head beer coach, 1966 American Lager. Please drink responsibly. This is Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're listening to Gainesville's only home for Rays baseball. ESPN 98, 1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, and online at WRUF.com. This is Gator soccer coach Samantha Bohan, and you are listening to Sports Scene with Steve Russell, right here on ESPN 98, 1 FM, 8.50 AM, WRUF, and anywhere in the world on the WRUF radio app. Okay. Don't forget, this is our last segment. No shows tomorrow and Thursday. Back Friday at a regular time with Prognostication Friday. Uh, Williams says, like to see a little emotion from Billy in the presser. However, he's dead wrong when he said these things weren't asked or mentioned when we were winning uh, games. The questions about play calling, OC, special teams have been mentioned since day one of his tenure by some media guys, not saying you. We've got to stop letting coaches say these false truths in settings like that. Yeah, I don't get to ask questions because I'm in the studio when he's on. 
I like Billy. Hope it works, but don't insult the intelligence of the, span, the fan base. This fan base, spoiled or not, knows what good football looks like thanks to your guest in the previous hour and Urban. What we're seeing right now is not good enough. All right. The, but, again, I think he needs time to make it good enough. I think Andrew is next. Andrew, hello. Hello? Andrew, go ahead. Hey, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I picked up on something uh, recently. I think uh, the days of going undefeated are pretty much done. I think it's basically the SEC is going to be so good. Uh, you're going to see it's going to be like the NFL. I think teams are going to lose more one or two games a year, three. I don't even think Georgia is going to dominate anymore. I mean, I think every week's going to be a battle. Yeah, there's a lot, you, there's a lot more parity now. Yes. It's it's when Florida was winning big with Steve and with Urban, the league top to bottom was not nearly as good. You could pencil in wins over teams like Vanderbilt and Missouri and South Carolina and Kentucky. You can't do that now. I'm not sure that's good or bad, but you can't. Yeah, and like uh this week the Dolphins, uh they lost and and that's common in NFL where, like, where, like, you know, they almost set a record the week before, and they come out and they lose to, by, like, 20 points to the Bills. I think that's going to happen in college football. I mean, look at LSU wants to fire Brian Kelly right now. It's like, I don't know. I think this is going to be the future of college football. All right. Andrew, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let's get David to sports scene. Hi, David. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, fans uh, keep calling for uh, an offensive coordinator like that's going to be the end all be all and, and cure everything. Um, but I, which I disagree with. I, I think Shane is right. There has to be a phil- philosophical change, regardless of whether he hired a coordinator or not. I think he still have his hands in it and say, this is what I like to do. Now, I think temporarily, I think coaches can take the players that they have right now and do some things, you know, make some adjustments, okay, uh, to fit what they have now. And Shane seems to think that is, you know, opening it up and, and throwing the ball more, which, I, uh, you know, I don't disagree with. Um, but uh, what do you think about that? Uh, here's If you're going to hire an offensive coordinator, if you're going to hire somebody that basically runs what you run, there's no sense in hiring an offensive coordinator because he's Absolutely. doing what you already do. So if you're going to do that, then you have to, A, know what offense that person runs, B, agree with the philosophy of that offense, and C, let him call plays. Not that you can't overrule it, not that you can have a headset and know what he's calling, but if you're hiring somebody to call what you call, then that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and we know it's not going to happen in the middle of the season either. If they did something like that, it would have to be the off season. I just don't see him doing that, do you? Not not during the season, no. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do it, period. Well, <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I think the jury's out. I, I think Billy Napier is the type of coach who at the end of the season will evaluate everybody's work, including his, and if he feels like he needs to hire a coordinator, he'll do it. I mean, if, if he – yeah. Some people are stubborn, and I'm not saying he is or isn't. I don't know him well enough to know that, but I think he has to take his, you know, I'm the coordinator glasses off and what's best for the program because 
in the end, he is the coach of the entire program, not just the coordinator. Yeah, as far as people talking about his uh, emotion or whatever, um, our, our defensive coordinator is pretty emotional, and that didn't help our defense on Saturday, did it? Say that again, I'm sorry? I said, uh, you know, people want him to be, you know, show, I think more emotional, you know, show some fire and all that. Uh, uh, I think our defensive coordinator has all that. Uh, but it, it didn't help the defense on Saturday. All right. David, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Let's get Rick to the show. Hi, Rick. Hey, Steve. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. I just want to bring something to light that I don't feel like a whole lot of people are talking about. It's a big concern to me. I've got the same concerns as everybody else about Napier. But my concern is we're talking about giving this guy time. And I don't think it's been discussed much of the schedule next year. I think it's arguably the hardest schedule in college football history. Um, for those that haven't heard the schedule, I can rattle it off real quick. My, it's Miami, Sanford, Central Florida, Georgia, Florida State, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Texas. There's one, maybe two give-me wins tops on that schedule. So, the concern for me is if we don't make drastic improvements this year to next, we're potentially looking at going even further backwards. So we're in quite a pickle, in my opinion, with the program and Napier and which direction we're going and how long do we give the guy. Um, so just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I'll take it off the air. Sure. Thank you for your call. Uh, valid point. I mean, I think when you look at the schedule, uh, I don't care if, if uh, Urban Meyer was coaching. Okay, That's a difficult schedule. Now, that said, are you saying you can't compete with UCF? Are you saying you can't compete with a Miami? Because if that's – is that a losable game? Certainly it is. It's, it's no cupcake. But if you're turning the corner, if you don't beat Georgia or you don't beat Alabama, that's one thing. But if you're turning the corner, those are the kinds of teams you've got to beat. So that you don't go six and six, you go eight and four, and then you build upon that. Uh, let's take one more call. That'll be Jack. Jack, hello. Hey, Steve. Great call. I think your last email is a problem that the uh, that you read out is a problem that Gator Nation has. Everybody, Steve's not coming back. Urban's not coming back. It's a new day. We made some bad coaching hires. We were late on facilities. That's not the thing that bothers me. Yes, I want to give Billy time. Yes, I think Billy will make changes. He's a smart guy. I think he. I think sometimes uh, he has analytical uh, paralysis sometimes because he's so analytical on, on, on analytics. But my thing is, Steve, is we got off the we got off the plane or the bus. We weren't ready to play. You can these guys whining about call here, call there. I mean, they just lined it up and just ran it down our stinking throats. I mean, there's just. No physicality. I mean, this is stuff from Doug Dickey back in 75 and 76. I mean, we weren't prepared. One or two plays don't matter. We would have lost to Kentucky nine times out of ten because we weren't ready to play football. I agree. I, I'm sure you agree. I do agree. And, and you know, just, you're going to have a stinker once in a while, certainly. Um, and normally, normally that stinker occurs on the road. when And let's not – throw this out also the other team's pretty pumped yes, I mean, think they of are. how yeah, florida Kentucky fans are. were against tennessee right yeah 
well, Kentucky's yeah, fans well, got give, tired of hearing about Kentucky Florida's off. streak and yeah. all that. So you know what? You got to give them credit too. But yeah, they yeah, they were not I prepared mean, to play. You know, we've got more rivals. We're more hated by any any team in the nation. LSU wants to beat us. Kentucky wants to beat us. Vanderbilt. Everybody wants to beat the Gators. Florida State, Miami, Central Florida, the Bulldogs. All right. And again, got, I, Kentucky. It, Kentucky's like it's like they're they're Super Bowl playing us. So again, we've got to be more prepared. We've got to get off. The, we've got to get off. The only way this team's going to win this year is like we played against Kentucky with a hair on fire. And I believe in Billy. I think he's going to make changes and go Gators. Thanks, All right. Dave. Thank you for your call. Mike says, uh, must champ McIlwain Zook all tried to slow, run the clock. Uh, didn't work for them. Won't work for Napier. When you play like this, you get fewer possessions, fewer plays. Your quarterback has to stay in for the whole game. You get behind hard to catch up. Basically, he says, not going to win more than seven or eight games with this philosophy. Larry says, does Napier have let his quarterback run a, a hurry-up offense? Uh, yes. Um, but I guess define hurry up. Um, I'm not sure they've had a lot of chances to do that, Larry, but I'm, I'm sure I know for a fact that they run it. Uh, let's see here. As I keep going down the list, um, Mike says regarding uh, Napier's behavior, um, some players were at the Tennessee game during halftime trying to rile up the players. Napier came in, was trying to calm them all down, was brought down the energy. He also pointed out many early games when defensive players were not running through the ball instead of absorbing hits. You're right. Uh, if winning, this wouldn't be a question, but they're not winning. So all this gets dissected. People have the right to question if the team is not taking on his calm down, low energy demeanor, especially on the road. Well, again, they didn't have that at home against Tennessee, did they? And sometimes if you have leaders, right, it's up, to, it's up to teams, it's up to players to be ready to play, too. When you can throw it on the coach all you want, but it, it's also on the players as well. Um, Adrian says, please don't say being an offensive coordinator has worked for Billy everywhere he's been. It's not. He was fired at Clemson. I didn't say it was worked everywhere he's been. I never said that. I said he's been an offensive coordinator where he's been. I didn't say it worked. So don't, don't put words in my mouth, uh, Adrian, because I didn't say that. Um, and he said after he was fired, Clemson went on their run, have won 10 games every season ever since. Billy was passed over at Bama for the OC job, uh, and we'll talk about his time at Louisiana some other time. Um, Mike says, if Napier and a presser used your same response to the previous question about what's the advantage of calling your own plays and said Steve Spurrier did it, I think he'd be lapped out of the building, sir. Embarrassing to have him compare himself. He didn't compare himself. I'm just saying when somebody said, Give me a, a, a where it's worked. I said it worked for Steve Spurrier. That's all I said, Mike. Again, don't put words in my mouth that I didn't say. And Jim says, whatever happened to the Extra Point show? Cheapest entertainment in town. Jim, where you been? I just did it this past Saturday. Hello? Still there. But we're not going to be here tomorrow or Thursday. Back Friday with Sports Scene for the Prognostication Friday version. We hope you will join us. Enjoy the rest of your day. You're listening to ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF. Don't forget, Rays Baseball, 2.30 this afternoon. Stick around and listen to that. See you later.
WRUF Gainesville, U251CG Gainesville. From the Spurrier's Gridiron Grill Studios, we are ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF.